You are listening to a podcast of the Geek.io Media Network. For all of our shows and more, visit geek-io.net. And to help support the network, head over to patreon.com slash geek.io. Now for a listen. Anime Otaku Show Yokoso. Good evening. Welcome to the Anime Otaku Show. You may have heard these words before, but I'll teach you what they really mean. Remember, we will be discussing all episodes up to the ones we talk about tonight. Anata go supporta o kimishi nanara soyo. If you don't mind spoilers, welcome. Yes, it is that time again. Konbonwa Minasan, it is the Anime Otaku Show, episode number 17. I am still your temporary host, Josh Kansai Style McGrath, and joining me into the magical worlds of anime are. Carrie, I stole them myself, Wilcox. Justin, he's next. Carol, and once more, keeping us alive and online, Raul, of course, aliens, Garza. But it's not aliens. <laughs> exactly. How's everybody doing it's always, Yeah, I'm doing big oh. fabulous right now. We had a week of anime, people. Yeah, we, yeah, really we did. did. Oh my god, I binged the last four episodes of Magical Girl. Yeah, we kind of already watched today's episode because it's like, fuck it, we got time. I want to see where this goes. (laughs) And it's the final episode, right? Yep. Wait, I thought it came out on Tuesdays. Nope, Mondays. Okay, I'll probably watch it right after the show. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so what are we talking about this week, Justin? Uh, Tonight's shows are, of course, Magical Girl Ore, episodes 8 through 11, Meet and Greet, Another and Another, Stalking, and Final Battle, Food Wars, episodes uh, 22 and 23 of season 3, To the Final Battleground, and Bearing Polar Star Dormitory, My Hero Academia, season 3, episodes 10 and 11, Symbol of Peace, and One for All, and Darling in the France, episodes 20 and 21, A New World, and For You, My Love. Oh man, that's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, but before we go ahead and dig into the first show, our audio listeners are going to get themselves a little bit of an ad. We do apologize, but we like having internet to put on the show for you guys. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. Wasn't that a majestic <laughs> ad? Whatever it was for, you should buy that product and or service. Uh, support. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, it's uh, um, <laughs> Crunchyroll. Please support. Please support. Please support our official release. <laughs> oh. So uh, yeah, why don't we uh, get our chow on and dig right into Food Wars? I so this is slightly on topic. I made some really delicious uh, chicken alfredo pasta tonight. Nice. That was pretty freaking fantastic. If uh, there's one simple thing about Food Wars that is never... Well, there's one simple thing about cooking that never really gets said during Food Wars episodes is that y'all should use cast iron pans. They are the best. Yeah, they are. You can <laughs> cook anything in cast iron. It is the best. This has been your Justin Carroll cooking announcement. <laughs> cast iron is indeed amazing. Oh, such an even heat with it. 
Yeah, it's the best. and we have a couple that are over a hundred years old that came from my grandfather's childhood farmhouse. Jeez. So that you have those are the ones that you guys use at your house. Yeah. Those are the ones that that's that, insane. That Josh cooked filet mignon for me on. Oh wow! I mean, cast iron. I mean, if it's taken care of, it'll last forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we've got uh, food wars these past two weeks to the final battleground and bearing polar star dormitory. Thank you so much, food wars writers, for that delicious pun. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> so I really like I really like these people in the Elite Ten. They're all really actually super unique, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't really fully reveal these people until the Regiment de Cuisine. So, except um, for you, Azon. Fuck you. Right. Exactly. Azon uh, is a bag of dicks. So, what are you even still doing there? I do love yeah. how he was like, Ishki likes to be the David to our Goliath. And it's like, Azan, you lost to Soma twice. You cannot call yourself a Goliath anymore. <laughs> nope. Too much of a little bitch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't really like the replacement Elite Ten people. Um, but like Kino Kuni, I loved getting backstory on her. Right. Kino Kuni is great. And she continues to be great for these two entire episodes. (laughs) Also, it made me a very shameful kind of nerd um, confession. I've never had proper soba noodles. Like, I've never gone to a place that had soba noodles or bought them or even made them at home. Um, And I kind of feel sad about it. You're not the only one. I am very uncultured down here. Oh, well, you do live in Texas, so that is understandable. Uh, well, Texas has you, one culture, Texas. Uh, Raul, you just need to go to Austin, and then you can figure out that your that your state can be really weird, and then you could find some really insane off the wall Austin food. I'm not I'm not kidding. Austin is an amazing city. It is. <laughs> I, I know I've been there a few times, but I've never gone to like the 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 different part of town. The the different foods, the fusion foods, all that stuff. Um, I went there to visit my brother once, and I had, I had Austin pizza, and you think, oh, that just sounds like regular ass pizza. No, it's not. It is very interestingly kind of a. It's kind of a a, a New York style and a deep dish pizza kind of thing that they got going there. That's oh. this. They also have this special Dr. Pepper called Dublin Dr. Pepper, which is like insanely good. Oh, since but you've been to Austin, you know what Big Red is, right? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. They don't have Big Red in Florida, do they? No. So, uh, so show oh, let's get back to Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, uh, sorry. I got into a tangent because of Soba and then weird food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so, so Soba's pretty good. Um, definitely not my favorite noodle type. It has a very distinct flavor. Right. And texture, which they get into a little bit in these couple of episodes. Um, I'm more of an udon fan myself because I like how it soaks up everything you put it in. Exactly. I love how they're writing this where like 
Soma is always getting the other person's specialty. Yes. yes. And I like he- how like, and she even lampshades it too, because she has this whole spiel of, I want you to draw the ingredient because I want I will be beat you at whatever you draw. It doesn't have to be Soba. It's Soba. God damn it's it. Soba. <laughs> damn it. And she actually gets mad that he draws Soba. And then we get a little flashback of uh, Soma's father showing, telling him, well, how, how have you been getting through all these uh, matches? Oh, I've just been <laughs> thinking on my feet. Nope. But didn't you lose to that one dude in the autumn elections? We're going to have to change it. So it's not just yeah. coming out of nowhere. It's not like Soma ex machina. They actually show right. that he's he actually trained. Though I mm-hmm. think that, well, the next episode is going to be the last one of this season, right? Yeah, um, yes. Episode 24 oh. is the last one. So and they're they're going to leave us days, off so. on a cliffhanger like they did the autumn elections, aren't they? Right. Um Hopefully we'll I, at least so finish this first Carrie round. This. Right? Yeah, yeah, they, they 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 will finish the first round, I'm sure. Maybe I don't know about um, the first card though, because they haven't even touched that. Yeah, they only did the first one, which oh my god, the obsession. The uh what is it, seventh seat has with uh with former seventh seat. I can't remember yeah, their yeah. names. With- uh, with a racist stereotype, Chef Boyardee versus Ishki. Yes, Ishki. <laughs> oh my god. And Ishki's not even showing like his true skill. Nah, oh, it, it, it comes it, out. It, he's got, oh yeah, he's able he to see this. he fillets an eel and it doesn't bleed until like a second after it's cut. Yeah. yeah, that that that, that, that was such legit. a beautiful transition. It's like because we're all used to Ishiki Senpai, you know, wearing nothing but an apron. What? Alice is immediately interested. <laughs> like, so I don't know if anybody else here has read Ruining Kenshin. I know that uh, I know that CJ adores that show. Um, there is a scene in Ruining Kenshin where they go to like this knife sharpening person. It's like, hey, we need to fix up the sword. And uh, and this most ridiculous thing happens where they're like, you you know that a person is really good at sharpening swords when you can take a knife and cut through a turnip, and it doesn't split apart because the edge is so sharp. The molecular regeneration happens, and I'm like, okay, so this is just what happened in Shukugeki no Soma. He cut it so fast that it took a little bit to bleed. Okay, <laughs> all right, thanks, anime. And he's just that good. And the beautiful thing is, though, is that he's his usual carefree self. You know, he's, he's like, yeah, I've, I've, cuckoo lander. Yeah. And he says, like, oh, I've got a backup plan for this. Maybe we'll start a farm. Yeah. <laughs> until until racist stereotype chef Boyardee starts shitting on Polar Star. And, you know, oh, you're the from this. You're upper so much echelon. better than them. Yeah, yeah, you're from the upper echelons of cuisine. You're an embarrassment to your fam. Like it's an embarrassment to your family for you to be with these, you know, shitty people. Yeah, and, and then he's like, like, yeah, I'm white. probably an embarrassment to my family, but don't you dare talk shit about Polar Star, right? Yeah, I mean, he was just like, can you shut the fuck up now? <laughs> no, that was the thing. Was he was still Ishiki about it? Let's have some quiet, shall we? <laughs> oh, excuse me. 
and the temperature in the room drops like 80 degrees real quick also we get to see his eyes they yeah that's that's his that's his face <laughs> and then uh he's a oh. real mad boy and then on the other side of the counter we have soma making instant, instant soba yakisoba yes <laughs> Literally, cup soba is what they're saying. And the great thing, because you flash back and forth between Kino Kuni, you know, being basically a wizard and casting, you know, a magical spell on her soba flower and turning it into these perfectly made artisan noodles. Pan over to Soma with his little cranky machine. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, making, yeah. making the little chibi face. Yeah, that's not very dramatic what he's doing. No, it's not. But Arena brings up the point of because of the quality of the equipment he's using, machine-made soba is actually better than poorly made soba. Like just because right. it's handmade doesn't make it better. I mean, you you get the precision there that doesn't take t- ten years of practice. Exactly, he gets consistency, and yes. Kinokuni's soba is probably going to be better, like just in terms of the objective quality of the noodles than Soma's, but he's doing a better job with the machines than he would have by hand because he's not trained in it. And also, that's not the only thing that matters in this fight. Nope. And it, like at the, well, we'll talk about the next episode, but then he starts stir frying them. Which I, I don't know anything <laughs> Literal about. Literal yakisoba. I, I don't know about uh, the Japanese noodles. I, I know there's uh, pasta, pasta, and spaghetti. And lasagna. That's pretty much my noodle. Oh, and macaroni and cheese. That's my repertoire of uh, the noodles that, that I know. Yeah, so yakisoba is basically a fried noodle dish. That's that's why he got pre-brought the walkout. That is that is that style. But it's 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 considered a low class kind of thing. It's it's not an elegant meal because it's it's a quick, cheap. I mean, let's be fair. You go into your local grocery store and you're going to find Maruchan instant yakisoba. It comes right. in a little plastic tray. It's a brick of noodles. It has a pouch of freeze-dried vegetables and meat and a pouch of flavoring. You add water, you microwave it, you mix it all together, and it's salty and delicious for 99 cents. Is exactly. it gourmet? Fuck no. But this is dumb what we're talking about. <laughs> and He's I, got tricks up his sleeve. They're going to come out. Yeah, and I like his thought process where, like, I want to make something – that's just not catered to one person. He wants it catered to everyone that, that walks into that's the, thing. the diner. He, he, he's a diner cook. He knows that he needs something that's going to play to his strengths, and his strength is diner cooking. Yeah, Soma is the everyman, and that's why you're st- starting to see things like at the end of the autumn elections where it comes out that the only reason he's such a good cook is because of his hard work. And people start like relating with him more that he's not just some super genius. No, he just busted his ass off. Yeah, being the everyman he is Soma's works. strength. Yeah, and he lost uh, what 
What's his losing streak right now? 900 and something? 400. What, against the dead? 400 and that, yeah. Yeah, like I said last and time. zero victories. Yeah, like I said last time, I want that one victory to be the The end of the series, yeah. Yeah, that 500th. Uh... Yeah, 499 to one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where he's like officially recognized, like, you have graduated, my son. That has to done well. And my then, good and faithful boy. And then we get Ishtar's, um the dish he made makes is Polar Star Dormitory. Yep. Yes, Original. Where, where he steals all of their ingredients. And he's proud. Yeah, I stole them myself. <laughs> but that, that that was the thing is, I mean, he's there to begin with as part of a, a team Shokugeki to save his friends from expulsion. And he's going to do that the most Ishiki way he knows how by fighting with what makes them so special in the first place. Um, the thing in the in the bottle, was that like a type of sake or was it cider? Rice juice. Ah. It, 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 it was prob- sake, right? probably the rice equivalent of moonshine. <laughs> yeah, because you because she's she's the fermentation specialist. Ah, okay. And uh, and he's like, oh, maybe we set up an eel farm too. It's like, oh, if, if we set them in a <laughs> greenhouse, we can they won't hibernate. They'll, they'll never hibernate. <laughs> Man. Being inside of that head for like five seconds, and it's just be like things running around a hundred miles an hour. And then we get his backstory that he's childhood friends with um with Kinokuni with Kinokuni, and it's just like, and he was the child prodigy. While she had to work her entire life, everything just came easy to him. Yeah, and also he is he is originally originally a special a specialist in Japanese cuisine. He is the heir to one of the two uh, in this series most important Japanese cuisine families, and he apparently doesn't give a shit about either one of those things. Yeah. Nope. I wonder, like, where's his shift? Like, what what shifted him to like to that? I, I, if it's just like, you're probably gonna find out next episode. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I really like about Nino Kuni, other than the game, <laughs> um, so I recently watched a forty-five minute documentary about hand making soba noodles. That's topical, right? Re- like I watched this guy do it. And that thing that she does, the magic spell over that thing. Like, I watched this guy do that. I watched him go... And he did it, like, without words for 10 minutes on screen. And you watched a bowl of completely dry ingredients with maybe a half of cup of water in it turn into a workable completely smooth dough ball just and then you this girl worked her ass off to get good at this she literally got good and uh, I mean 
and and they show well, that it's a we physical. See what happens. Yeah, you have to have strength yeah. to. And they had like, the itchy moments. The itchy moments. Yes. Of, of course, that's just a little bit turned down than normal, right? I mean, sure. I mean, it's still the same foodgasm moments, but well, yeah, it, yeah. The characters involved are a little bit more subdued. I, I think the one that stood out, like 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 the one that stood out most, was the guys nestled in the crevasse. Yeah, it's like, ah, uh, hello, <laughs> hello. Like it, it was surprising because it's an episode featuring eels. Oh, yeah. oh, Japan! And you would think the eels would have stolen the show there, but no. No, I mean, no. you kind of get that a little bit with Ishiki's dish. A, l- a little bit, but not as much yeah. as you would expect. I mean, we're used to things like the peanut butter and the honey tentacles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, and that's pretty much it. These two episodes, they could have just run them into a one-hour block because they were pretty much just boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Because and they are trying to finish there's off. There's a really weird thing that's going on starting this couple of episodes. The randomly brainwashed announcer chick. Oh, the idol, yes. Arara is like such a, a weird character. Yes, and I know like CJ's going to yell drink at me for this. The manga actually has her labeled as Arara parentheses brainwashed version. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm pretty sure... If they don't do an o, uh, OVA for the next season, it's going. To, if they do do it, it's going to be the training montage that they did because there, there there's a jump there. Right? There's yeah, right there's before. a reason for that. It, it's either going to be shown in flashbacks during the battle, or they're going to have that little mini OVA like they did with the uh, with uh, right before what was it the third plate. The third season, where he he was challenging uh, everyone that would come to him. Right, this is season Something three, right? Like yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you guys know, but CJ's gonna kill us. Like, <laughs> and that's why I've just kept shut it up. Okay. I am. I am surprised that we're going halfway into the regimental shokugeki or like wading into the first like steps of it right because i thought that and i mentioned this in the pre-show but the what we got as episode 22 i thought was going to be next season's season premiere oh yeah like that's that's what i thought but obviously that didn't happen right well, what they're probably going to do from a rating standpoint is this season is going to end right before Yuki Hiro's dish is judged. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll finish the end of this card and then they'll show who's coming they up have, next. They have 20 minutes. Well, I they mean, got, they got really, 23 minutes. They only need to one more win and they win the card, right? Well, the, the regiment with the regimental shokugeki, you literally keep fighting until everybody on one side is knocked out. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so it's not like, oh, two rebels and one central one, so that means rebels win this round. No, it's you just keep fighting each other until there's nobody left on one side. They're just doing three at a time for expediency's sake. Oh, okay. And theatrics. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I'm being just a complete snob about this or whatever, but why didn't they call it the Regiment de Cuisine? I don't know. Like that that that's what that's what it's called. They couldn't you, you can't just they don't even say the word shokugeki in the te- in the text. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I'm salty so, about stupid things. I've got Continue. one more thing to say. I uh the special seating for the rebels. Yeah, you guys, were, you guys were remarking uh, on the uh, on the opening and how it looked like they were behind bars for some reason. Oh uh, yeah, that that's how that goes. Basically, like yeah, like that that entire opening is basically a summary of the entire arc. Oh right, I just realized uh, that right now it's you. Uh, you guys are like the book readers for Game of Thrones. Just yeah. sitting back. And I just, read the book. Yeah, sitting back and just like, why are you recording this? They're just having a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, what? I mean, everybody already knows that the obvious best ship is Selma Arena. I still, I still personally, personally, I like Selma Megami. But Soma Arena is growing on me, and I can tell that that's where the writer wants it to go. Yeah. Because it's going to. There's no doubt about it. Unless, unless, unless. Unless Arena and Hisako are going to get married. (laughs) Of course. Or, I mean, they just go for the full, like, fan crack shipping all the way across the board. I'm saying that there might be a third girl. What about the little harem that well, uh, uh, I mean, Ishii he already has. technically has a harem of like six different girls at this point, but I think I think maybe maybe they'll just pull like a freaking Nisekoi where they pop in another girl of promise somewhere. Uh, so yeah, we're excited for this weekend. For, for, Wait, what? Uh, we're excited for this weekend with Food Wars. Exactly, exactly. It'll be, it'll be nice to see the conclusion of this arc. Well, the beginning of this arc but the conclusion of the season yes yeah i am i do i like these judges these judges are weird and, and are hilarious they're hilarious and i love like it they're kind of a breath, breath of fresh air too after the cheating assholes that we had during the rest of the uh during the rest of the season with the exam stages and Josh and I were talking about this earlier. I don't know whether Azami was actually trying to cheat and kick the rebels out by whatever means necessary and is going a different route because the Regiment de Cuisine is so public. Or if he just wanted the rebels gone and the er, the earlier proctors took it, interpreted it as orders to cheat. And so they were just trying to kiss ass and get them out. And Azami wanted his victory to be legit all along. But the World Gourmet Organization bookmen that they got, first of all, weird parallels to the Catholic Church going on oh. with 
one of the people dressed as a nun and they have a culinary bible with them but also these people are super legit and yes they are a little bit elitist with oh that's okay honey it's okay that you don't have any stars you're so pretty um so yeah like to continue the point i don't know if you were going to make this um this comparison but uh i read a bunch of you know i usually read discussion posts about the show and this is a direct this is the Michelin organization. Yeah. I mean, basically my point was like, these people are super fucking legit and they judge what's on the plate. Right. So they're not like, unlike any other judge that Azami could have gotten, these people are actually going to be fair and legit. Yeah. Right. Um, I like how um, everyone knows who they are except Soma. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, didn't 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 Shinomiya mention the Michelin organization though? Like, uh, I don't, I can't remember. Uh, or was he actually? I don't think so. He just mentioned going for a third star. Yeah. Uh... Oh, so he no, he actually was going to go for a Michelin star. I can confirm that via the wiki, but hey, wiki, I think. I think they may have been, you know, trying to not actually involve a real life organization into the narrative of their manga. Yeah, so they they, they just right they got retconned into the WGO. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's probably the thing that happened. It's it's the world world gourmet. Yeah. Um, organization, right? So, what do you guys want to yeah. go from here? Because I I know we're playing low loose here. <sighs> um. We got some heavy-handed feels coming, regardless of which path we take. So, <laughs> right. Also, also one last thing: there is a world, there is a world gourmet society and a world gourmet summit, but not a world gourmet organization. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for my big clacking. Uh, uh, let's go. We can't the hero, noises. Let's go down the hero route, Josh. Yes, let's go My down this route. My Hero Academia. Oh. Episodes 10 and 11. Symbol of peace and one for oh. all. Oh. <sighs> those of us, those of you like CJ, who have been sick of, of Carrie, Justin, and I saying all season, the manga, the manga, the manga, the manga, the manga. This is this the This is the payoff. Yeah. <laughs> This is why. This is why we have been so hyped for this entire season. Because of th th this set of moments right here. We have season 10. We have symbol of peace. We see just why all for one is such a terrifying villain. And then the, 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 what is it? D, uh, not D minor, but the minor uh, key classical music that plays just makes him all that more like it feels like he's sophisticated but he's evil as shit we we mentioned this last episode he, he is the big bad he he is the ganondorf he is i mean outside of the fact that it's all stage play he's bowser right um he he is he is the evil incarnate in this world this man who has 
a quirk of quirks. His complete and total control of being able to take, give, mix, strengthen, combine. It's absolutely terrifying to the point that the the students are sitting there, tr- standing there, one, trying to get themselves to move, and two, not throw up. Yes, because at because the end of the previous right. episode. Menacing aura is that overwhelming. And keep in mind, these are kids that have already responded to legitimate villain threats with, if not the skill, it, at the very least, the dedication and the passion that pro heroes have. Yeah. And Midori and the is courage the only one that pro heroes have. faced someone that was going to kill him, right? Yeah. And I mean, um, he's done that twice now with Stain and also then with Muscular. True, yes. Oh my god. And then it's just got, you've got this epic battle between All for One and All Might. And One for All. Oh, and, and, and One and for you- All. And you and you just and you just see you see public looking at what's going on and you see the the people who idolize All Might with everything that they've got to see their symbol of peace stopped. And that I bet is some kind is, is making them feel some kind of way. Because obviously his previous fight with All for One was not televised or public. Yeah, nobody even knows that it happened. Nobody knows what happened there. Everybody thinks that his, like, he got injured once, but everybody thinks it's from, like, a different a different, a villain. different villain. Not Nobody a... even knows who All for One is. So, And yeah. All for One kind of shadow... missed... He... Oh, well, no, that's the next episode. But, yeah. yeah. He, he's been a shadow puppet master this entire time. And nobody even, you know, who is this guy that's giving All Might such a hard time? It's All Might. It's pretty much he's fighting like 50 other quirks. Yeah, I mean... At the very least. And I mean, he even mentioned when he was telling Midoriya the story of All for One and One for All, he mentioned that knowledge of All for One and One for All were suppressed for a reason. Right. Because they didn't want one, f- or they didn't want all for one to become a symbol to the villains, like All Might is now to the heroes. To everyone, yeah. And let's let, let's t- let's talk about our boys for a moment, though. The rescue operation. Oh man! The supreme bromance that is Bakugo and Kirishima. Yes, because. <laughs> Kimashima refuses to be talked down to by no, Bakugo. He, he is going to be best friends with Bakugo, and Bakugo is going to fucking love it. Uh, and I mean, Riot, who Red else Riot could survive boy. his explosions, right? I mean, Deku I mean, has, but that's. I mean, I mean, we're we're just going for full on, you know. And then Kirishima let's, let's get, you let's in get the face this. with friends, friendship, and you like it. <laughs> Exactly. And talk about this plan that uh, Midoriya is thinking up while they're stiffed with fear. I mean, he is Well, paralyzed. again, we've, we've mentioned this in previous episodes as well when talking about Midoriya. Midoriya. Hey, CJ. Midoriya Shonen. <laughs> Not getting through another week of that bullshit, buddy. His real superpower is his mind. 
yeah, he's got access to one for all now, but what makes him a hero is not the power, it's who he is. The entire reason he was given one for all to begin with was because All Might saw in him the true qualities of a hero, acting before he could really think about it, but then also thinking about it. Yes. He's always thinking, he's always plotting, he's always learning. When something happens, he takes it in, he internalizes it, he formulates. Yes, and in the matter of a few seconds, while being suppressed with an evil aura so strong that they all want to throw up, he formulates a plan that A, keeps everybody out of combat range, B, gets them in and out incredibly quickly, C, actually gets Bakugo to go along with it with no warning or advance notice whatsoever. Yes, because he and knew D, that. without feeling bad. Yes, because he knew Bakugo would resent him even more or wouldn't even go along with him mm-hmm. if he right. was the one extending his hand. But man, if it's his bro, Kirishima, boom. He'd go, he'd go for it. And let, let's be fair. I, I love how quickly that got memed. Oh. That, yes. that shot of him power gliding through the city along the walls to get that hand clasp in. And then we get... It w- it was a really, really good set of animation. It, it looked fantastic. And just, then, just the fact that it goes from, you know, them rocketing overhead and the villains being like, Haw? and then there's Bakugo, <laughs> blast off. Yeah. Um, the animation in this is so beautiful. Oh, my God. And then Miss, is it Miss Mountain? Mount Lady. Mount Lady. Mount Lady, Mount Lady just comes out of nowhere and blocks the villains from getting to them save the civilians first Boom. and that, that that was a really nice little moment because mount lady has always been presented kind of cheesecakey because she's a gigantic woman her assets are gigantic they very easily could have gone with the very cheap shonen joke of the bad guy smacking into her chest Right. But no, she takes it in the face, resulting in a bloody nose. <laughs> and there was, you know, be, like they did because there was actual gravity in the situation. And I'm really glad that they didn't Cheapen just. It. And then they all realized that All Might can't fight at his, at his full power. With so many people nearby. Yes. And boy, do we get it in the next episode. And yeah, that that's the great thing is the entire episode is this this masterful staging, the building of the tension. You can see the springs winding. And they, they clear the stage. You know, every they get everybody they can out of the way. Baku goes safe. You know, they clear out as many of the wounded as they can. The rest of the villains are warped out. Do we get um, the big rev- the twist at the end of this episode or the end of the next episode? It's in the middle of the second episode. Yeah. Is, is is when that gets thrown out. Yeah. And we go into the second episode, this climactic battle between good and evil, between the symbol of peace and the symbol of evil in one for all. And it is a hell of a fight and it is so beautifully animated. And we get- I, I, th- I think hands down my 
favorite effect is the gold sparking. That oh we yeah, get on All Might this episode, this in this episode. But this is where this is where everything starts to come to a head because All Might stopped in his tracks. All for one is that powerful, and All Might starts to lose muscle form. And for the first time, the general public sees some of what All Might actually looks like. And you can see the way it starts to break their faith in him. And that is exactly what All for One wants. He wants to take that pillar and send it crashing to the ground. Yep. And just completely destabilize the hero society. And he starts to succeed. And then we get the backstory of how All Might got one for all from yes, his master. Which, by the way, the previous one for all is a badass lady. Who is also, you know, the other big bad's grandmother. Supposedly. We haven't gotten confirmation of that yet. Uh, it, it's it's confirmed, I'm sure. Last name and everything. Something bad happened there. Maybe. <laughs> I I I don't think he's I don't think he's lying. I think that that was a good something twist. like that, like if, that if revelation, is, like it's that. It's definitely I, it's definitely a good twist. If if it is correct, I'm I'm still holding out hope that he was literally just trying to get get a rise out of All Might because it works. Yes. And then he gets a, uh, um, is it in the flashback? No, no, no. Um, Jet actually gets him to, like, calm down and think about it. You have to be, he knows how you fight. You have to act like Migdoria. Yes, think, act spontaneous, but think about your move. Yeah, and we get this absolutely spectacular brawl between All for One and One for All, and it completely ravages All Might. Like, he he gets down to full-blown emaciated mode, and the public is shaken, but not so much that they lose their hope. Yes, All Might has been such a pillar to them for so long that they are still cheering his name, still praying for his victory. They are still behind him, and on a level, he feels that. And this entire time, while you've got All for One sitting there cocktailing a killer quirk specifically to absolutely obliterate All Might, while revealing the fact that the last time they fought... All Might was still coming at him with his guts hanging out. And this is where we start to see, much like how what really makes Midoriya a hero is his intelligence. All Might, what really made him a hero and still a hero, his absolutely indomitable will. He is not ever going to stop until he does what he feels he needs to do. And I think and the rep- we start to see that in the flashbacks of his talks with his master. Yes. And using the bonfire as a representation of one the last for all. embers of one for all that are still within him. And 
all for one being assured that this is it, that he doesn't have anything left. And then he starts hearkening back to his master's voice. Remember where you came from. And we get it. The absolute amazing moment where he takes every last bit of everything he has left and puts it into one attack. The United States of Smash. Of yes. Smash. Oh my god. And that is what we have been hyping okay. up this entire season. That single, absolutely glorious moment where everyone's hero, once again, pulls through because they need him. It's the best. and It's the reason why moments like this are the reason I watch Moments anime. like this are why we love heroes to begin with. Yes. I mean, this is it. They have done such a beautiful job of painting this image of the quintessential hero. He is flawed. He is human. He has emotions that can be played with, but he is still a hero at the end of the day. When there are people who need him, when there are people he needs to protect, he is there. Yeah. And And it's all right now. Yes. Because he is there. When when he's in his weakened form, he puts all his strength into his right arm. And then he shifts it around, obliterating he, his arm. Oh, yeah. And then he gone. shifts it to the other one to, to change it around. And then he goes back to it and just, like, literally goes beyond. And I love, I love, love, love the effect that the anime has created for that pulling on one for all as strongly as you can. The dots connecting of all the previous predecessors, digging in and getting to that next level. And we get the United States of Smash. And it took until watching this episode for it to really sink in as to exactly why that's the attack's name, because it's literally everything. It's not a city. It's not a state. It is everything All Might has in one attack. And it is massive. It's completely... It produces a tornado. Completely knocks All for One out. Completely incapacitates him. Changes the air pressure with one swing so much it creates a massive tornado. Yeah, that that gigantic explosion that you can see from orbit that happens in the opening, that was United States of Smash. Yeah. And even then, even after giving everything he's got in this one attack, he still finds the strength to stand and to raise his fist and to regain muscle form so that everyone knows everything is okay. Why? Because, because he is I'm there. Here. <laughs> oh my god. And I thought this like when I first saw this anime, I thought like, oh, it's it's a hero anime. I did not know it was this. This, this fucking masterpiece? Yes. How yeah, it's real good. I mean, I mean, so I I see people shit all over the series all the time 
because people on the internet have to be mad. They got to have something to everything. regret about. Otherwise, they you're not. Have, they're not. They're, they're never happy. Either way, even if they do have something to shit about, they're never actually happy. So, what? I don't know why people can't just appreciate things like this that give you good fight scenes, good characters, badass music, amazing voiceover, meaningful messages. No filler. That, well, yeah, one episode of filler. That's it. And it was still killer, not filler. Yes. <laughs> and we we see at the end of this, I know there's only one episode left or two episodes left of the season, is that you actually have a character in the series who is not just the strongest hero. He gave himself a title of the symbol of peace, and he was literally the symbol of peace. That's what he did. He brought peace. The crime rate in the city, of course, had gone super high because of Stain, but he still did it. He did his job. And he then, did the job that nobody else could do, and he kicked ass doing it. And then his final words. You're next. Next, it's your turn. Yes. Equal parts admonishment to all of the villains out there and encouragement for Midoriya. And, uh, and the, the really beautiful thing about that scene is not only does that grip Midoriya, but you can see that Bakugo can kind of see it. Right. That look on his face that says, All Might's talking to you. And while Midoriya tried in the first season to explain to Bakugo what was going on, he didn't want to buy into it. But maybe, just maybe, he's starting to see it. Oh. All right. Yeah, I think we need to go to Darling the Franks because we're just going to keep on talking about this series. It's so good. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it only gets better, folks. Hang on. It's going to be a wild ride. That's literally holy crap. So we've got Darling in the Franks. Episode 20, <sighs> A New World. And episode 21, For You, My Love. We have, quite possibly, one of the triggeriest moments in episode 20. Of before, course, it was alien. Before we get to, to that trigger moment, um, can we just say how adorable it was to have Hero and Zero Two just on the, the latch to Sterletzia, just like leaning on each other and just chatting with each other? Just enjoying each other's company. Yes. Spending what time they have together the best way they can. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And just making a promise to each other that we'll always be together. And oh my god. Yeah. We we, we get the big fight over Grand Crevasse while they're trying to reclaim apparently this super weapon. This star entity that is so very important to Papa and Ape and everybody. And Oh shit. Suddenly, invaders from space. The Klaxosaurus is... were not the bad guys the whole time. And then so we... this is totally this is totally not okay. So this is evidence of I mean, I can't really even say that this is the case, 
because it's mostly production IG doing the stuff. But this is like Gynax ending shit going on right now. Well, this is not trigger ending. This is Gynax <laughs> ending going on. There is a distinct difference. I mean, to be fair, trigger is Gynax Jr. Right, but th- there there is certain there's certainly some very specific things that you can see that differ between the insanity that is Penny and Stalking and Gurren Lagan versus, you know, stuff like Kill a Kill and continuing on from there. There is some stuff here that is hearkening back to like Die Buster. And the great thing is that it's still consistent with what Trigger does because what is the number one thing that Trigger always, always, always does without fail? Kill, kill some characters? No. <laughs> they defy expectations. Yeah. We've had a lot of series from Trigger by now and we kind of know what to expect from them. That's one of the reasons we love them is because we can expect very cerebral we can expect metaphor heavy we can expect over the top and they are they know that we are wise to them they know that their viewers are very genre savvy and so you get things like okay we're gonna put out kill the kill and gurren lagan and then we're gonna put out kisniver which is highly highly cerebral and no fights whatsoever and then with (laughs) darling in the franks we're going to advertise this as a mecha show, but that's actually a show about sex and relationships. Oh, and by the way, we know you're expecting us to kill somebody, so we're going to keep them alive from the ho- for the whole season. And then suddenly aliens. <laughs> I posted in... Suddenly aliens. Yeah, I posted in chat. I'm not saying they're aliens, that aliens did this. But, but aliens, it's aliens. But they were aliens. aliens. And there's still some aliens. other real wild shit going on just in this first episode because we get visual confirmation. Yeah. Tokoro up the duff. Cause she's got morning sickness like hell. Oh yes. <laughs> They're like, Oh my was, God. Was, was this the episode we get new Nana? Yes. Yes. We yes. Get and, and all the kids are like, who the fuck are you? I'm Nana. No, the fuck you're not. <laughs> Nana, you ain't. <laughs> not not nah 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 you ain't <laughs> it just reminds me of when i uh when i left my teaching job teaching preschool i was replaced by a woman named miss karen two-year-olds are not the best at the english language so when she introduced herself as miss karen they all thought she was saying hi i'm miss carrie and they all got really fucking mad at her saying you're not carrie <laughs> <laughs> that is both uh, hilarious and adorable. So, and that's what this reminds me of. Guess who hits the field? Who comes out into the field? The Klaxosaur. Uh, the Klaxosaur princess. princess. Yes. Riding the dragon. Who is obviously Best Girl version 1.0. Yeah. Because. 02 is 2.0. Yeah, well, she's literally code 001. I think I'm a clone now. So. There always seems to be <laughs> two of me around. So, alrighty. I, I, I know we're still talking about episode 20, uh, 20, but man, episode 21 is really good. Episode 21 is real man, fucking I, good. And the thing is, we can pretty much talk about them in the same token at this point, because they 
right. well, writing well. to one another. And we start oh, to get the hits after the hits after the hits with this thing. Yes. And they are just nailing everything down. So pretty much what happens in 20, um, Zero, uh, the Klaxosaur princess beats the shit out of Zero Two. And take, kidnaps Hero. Yes. And forcibly they connect. Or she Rape. uses him to Rape. pilot... Not necessarily. I think she went stampede mode because later on in episode 21, when he grabs the tentacles and mind links with her, they talk about, oh, when code 016 connected, it stopped, it slowed down the explosion. That's a good point. So I think she just brought, she kidnapped him. She did not. I don't think she mind raped him. I think she kidnapped snack. And then went then went stampede mode. Yeah. That's a possibility. And then fires, brings up all the weapons that are buried, all these giant cannons and just like... Giant guns. Yes, <laughs> giant guns and just shoots them into space. It's like, wait, what? What? Wait, why is it she destroying the... Right, aliens. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, wait, he that she's going after the satellite where, well, Popper's on, right? Where Ape is on, right? And then, and then it shows an invading fleet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, reconnaissance unit of... Oh, wow. That's that's some real referential shit right there. Goddamn. Right, like, so you're looking at the the, the thing that I just posted, yeah. right? So d- describe yeah, to so the audio viewers like, what you just linked. Okay, so I was... I was I posted the, I posted the URL in our chat because... I wanted to say that Strelitzia, um what is the name of the new Strelitzia? Strelitzia? Apath. Apathy without the Y. Okay, so, so I got very serious Star Driver vibes from Strelitzia. And I just looked it up and I can very much confirm that these ships look very, very similar. And this is from an anime from like back in yeah. 2011. The very very striking red and white uh red white face style and everything is uh, similar looking face styles and everything uh josh i have not okay one of these days we should actually end up watching this together because it's really super fabulous sounds like a plan uh yeah yeah it's it's a good show but i just thought that wow they've they were they got references from a bunch of different things and uh this is one of the striking ones i just wanted to bring up oh, but yeah so uh we got we got some serious crazy ass battle going on as a third party enters the fray essentially and we have these invaders from space virm v-i-r-m Vierm. kind of a name is that and oh by the way papa was working for them the whole time no papa was not working for them he papa was, was them. working towards trying to get rid of no them. papa was them yeah no, Papa was not one of the people that got sucked up oh, in the was... worm. Because I, I could have sworn. No, Papa. No, Papa was not sucked up in the Virum. He got killed by them. But those were two other people in Ape that were Virum agents. I'll have to rewatch that because reason... I could have sworn it was Papa. No, it was not Papa. Papa is the person who is making Horny, that big spear-looking magma ship, to destroy the Virum army that was coming. He knew that they were coming, but he was trying to use Strelitzia Apath 
to be a weapon against the Claxosaurs and Vera. Layers, sure. man. Yeah. Layers. And then in 21, we get backstory about the Claxosaurs. Yeah, sapiens. we sure do. 60 million years ago, so roughly about the time of dinosaurs, we had the Claxo <laughs> sapiens. And these veer mass holes showed up and were like, hey, we're bodiless space brains. Come join our collective. To which the Claxosaurus kindly said, fuck you, get off my planet. And started making super weapons out of themselves. Yeah, and, and it says like the weak ones that were not able to fight or the weak ones turned themselves into energy to be useful. <coughs> Fossil fuels. <laughs> oh, man. That's right, people. They weren't dinosaurs. They were claxosaurs. And they showed that they were way advanced. Like, Oh, they were super advanced. That was why Virm approached them, because they were an advanced species. And Virm was like, hey, we'll take you guys even higher. And By then, abandoning your physical forms and joining the collective, one of us. Yes. And then one when the battle's over, they realize, oh, wait, this wasn't the real army. It was just a, like a simple reconnaissance force yep. that they took out. And then they came down and then the, obliterated and they all escaped un underground. And they just slowly became more and more primal. And uh, yeah, we get we get some more interesting b bombs this episode, like the fact that all of the nines are clones of Zero Two, right? Somehow, genetic yeah. engineering is weird, doo doo. <laughs> um, and we find out that Verm through Ape actually put in a kill switch inside the Apath. Yes. If the Klaxus or Princess connects, it's going to turn into a bomb and blow the whole fucking planet up. And there was a monkey wrench thrown into that one. Or can we say a hero thrown into that one? Yep. Yeah. Hero, by connecting with the Klaxus or Princess, actually manages to slow down the self-destruct sequence, which, what the hell, Hero? And uh, oh, but yeah, Zero Two, keeping with her promise, starts trying to get to him and winds up reuniting with Dr. Franks, who's Dr. Franks. And they right. actually fix her up because she's her arm's pretty torn up at that point, yeah. And yeah, she's lost a lot of blood, yeah. And he actually, or someone there, it's either him or the other dude, fixes Hot her up. Um, Fixes her up to even give her gives her an IV, and then which I'm pretty sure was an IV at Magma Energy, but that's besides the point. Ah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit weird. odd. And then they just like they walk up to the door and they're like, "Uh, how 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 are we supposed to get in?" And he sacrifices his arm. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he had a mechanical arm loaded with Claxosaur Princess DNA because he wanted to become one, but it didn't work out. It didn't turn me into a Claxosaur like I wanted, but I guess this is useful. And then we have the giant, uh, would you call it a dragon or snake? Snake dragon thing. That's a snake. Yeah. Four-eyed four dragon snake thing that is basically a collective of Klaxosapiens that know fully well what they're doing yeah. somehow because those were some intelligent ass eyes on the thing. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, we also get the entirety of Squad 13. 
coming to the rescue and doing themselves a, a concern in the process. Yeah. yeah. They've completely snapped because they have no idea. They, they, they were so blindly following Papa's orders that without Papa, they don't know what to do but their last order. But they're still trying to figure it out on their own, unlike the Nines, who were so blindly following Papa that they're just continuing to kill the Klaxosaurs despite the aliens. Yes. Yeah, so, because we get Squad 13, and this, them being an uh, experimental squad, pays off, because Ichigo kind of talks them through, well, shit just got turned on its head, maybe we shouldn't follow our last orders, Let's think this through and come to our own conclusions. And everyone's just like, you know what? You do make sense. As opposed to the nines that just go ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all start teaming up and they're trying to get uh trying to get zero two to hero. To the point that Ikuno basically drains the entire remaining reserves of her vitality going almost completely white-haired in the process. Yes. She may not survive this series, folks. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, so um, this group is staying behind to keep them off of them. They're probably dead. Okay, they're making a hole here. She's probably dead. And it's just like, at the end of the episode, they're, they show that they're all still uh, they're hurting, but they're still alive. And see, here's the thing. This is where all of these death flags that have been flying for the past 10 or so episodes are, you know, trigger toying with us, basically. <laughs> because, Thanks. first of all, also things that have happened in these past two episodes, we get a fucking rapture of all things. Yep. Yeah. As Firm beams up what is probably the entire adult population of this planet. We know that Kokoro is up the duff. We don't know what they were doing to make these kids in the first place, but that's probably not going to function anymore. So we have one viable human being coming into the world and a bunch of kids that are dying through rapid aging. This planet is fucked. <laughs> yeah, pretty. But is everything going to be okay? Maybe. Because Zero Two makes it into Strelitzia, makes it to a probably basically dead hero. Yes. And then we get the spirit. I'm angry. Yes, it's just why like... You, tell us why you're angry, Justin. Because the ending made me very angry. You, you, you mean the part where they go through this whole sequence of... Zero Two and Hero spiritually reuniting beneath the Sakura Blossom Tree and the Klaxosaur Princess deciding that she's going to donate the last of her vitality to make a gamble on these two beautiful human beings. And we get this ridiculously awesome color swap back to the original Apath and fucking red and blue, which was highlighted by the horns crisscrossing, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blasting the shit out of this invading fleet. And they'll be like, oh, we're back. And then, oh, look, Zero Two slumped over in the cockpit and her horns are cracking off. But she's not slumped over. She's still supporting her own weight in the cockpit. 
I don't think she's supporting her own weight. I think she is stiff as a board. Uh, don't do this to me. The death flag we never saw coming because it was so hidden in the other death flags. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to. Oh, my God. We but... don't know is the thing because when Zero Two makes that connection with Hiro in the cockpit to get rid of the, the countdown system, to get Apath back under control, when they start piling it again, you see a spectral version of her hands close over his on the handles and the words, I've never felt you closer to me. And then the expression that he makes is very zero two. So you're saying that we might get to like better man levels. I don't know if anybody else here has watched better man at all. That was an old series. I know of it. I haven't seen yeah, it. Sunrise. Uh, it, so there is there are these mechs that have to be piloted by two people. And uh, they have to synchronize their brains to be able to make it work. Right? Much like a Jaeger. Much like a Jaeger. And in this case, you know, these mechs can't be piloted by more like less than one person. Unless you're zero two because she's, you know, a Klaxosaur. And she's probably communicating with the Klaxosaur that's inside of Streletzia. Because, yeah, spoiler alert, all the Franks were Klaxosaurs all along. Right. So, but maybe this is... There are characters in Better Man that can... Well, there is one character in Better Man that can pilot these robots by himself. Because he has the brain matter of two different people. So... We will see what happens here, but it's it's looking crazy regardless, because when this reconnection happened in the cockpit, you briefly see the heads-up display of the Apath, and Zero Two's negative pulse hits 200%, at least, before it pans away to the rest of the shot. Mm. And then that giant ship spear-looking thing pops out. Pringit horny, that gets pulled away. It's basically a giant bundle of life force, according to Verm, and they're going to use it against them. That's not going to turn against them at all, is it? Well, I mean, Apath tries to grab hold of it and keep it from being pulled away, but it then, you know, jet thrusters out of its hand. Yeah. But, and then, just just as icing on the cake, Dr. Franks, I finally get to see it. My Strelitzia Apath. Wrong. Yeah. They needed to make sure that he was dead because he got Caesared. Yeah, I mean, he he even <laughs> says it. No, it wasn't a steamroller. It was a rock. He well, even says it. I He's mean, not a very good person. Okay, so I saw the thing that happened in the series with the thing that I was talking about earlier while everybody was still talking. I saw the um, I saw the situation wrong. It is Papa. Papa is part of Germ. I saw that incorrectly. The person that I thought was Papa is one of the seven sages named Gorilla. They have they they are both very big, so I was mistaken there. It is Papa, the Vice Chairman, and Parsier are three of the seven sages who are now part of Virum. Flash, well, we're always part of Virum. We're always part of Virum. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, oh my god. And, and their plan was to 
get Streletzia to take up as part of the Virum forces, along with Ringhorny as part of the Virum forces. They're a bunch of assholes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just, uh, I saw the, I saw it incorrectly, so. But hey, you know what? Like a mature adult, you admitted when you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, I really, I think with zero two, we're going to have two options here. Either A, she merged with Hiro and they are now two minds in one body slash just united completely. Or B, she is actually alive and was blue screening as she basically becomes human. Because somebody pointed out that there's a version of her in one of the ending themes that does not have horns. Right. Oh, wait. In this one, her inhibitor shatters, right? Well, she she shatters it herself by basically upping her output to send her horns out into the Verm interface to take control of Apath again. (sighs) And that's when the Klaxosaur princess goes, hey, yeah, you know what? I might as well take the gamble and try and help you guys. Sends her horn out to connect, and that's where you get the the darling in the Franks red-blue X from. Yes, we were... Is the I, two I, I horns was waiting connected. for the logo to pop up. And we'll see what happens there because there, there is a little bit of support to that in episode because one of the last things Dr. Franks gets to say in the series is, when did you become so human? Right. So we'll see what happens there. I really hope they don't kill her off, but this is Trigger. <laughs> But then again, like how you're saying, they know we're wise to trigger, and they will. And it but can that, go- that, That's the thing, though. Do they know that we're savvy enough to know that it's them and expect them to not kill her off and then kill her anyways to subvert our expectations of their subverted expectations? Especially ah. because they've they've flagged it so heavily. They started with the book. And the princess flying away at the end of the book. Zero two, never actually drawing the final picture of the book and stopping before she tells Hero about it. And then you have the opening theme where she literally melts into him and fades away. You know what? The the final page is going to be the final screen of the series. But the question at this point at this point the question is who's going to be the one drawing it? Yeah, and also, is it going to be the same final page, or is it going to be one that Zero Two redrew? We write our own story. Oh, exactly. Oh my god, I need this series to be over, but I don't want. Don't it to want be. it to be over. Yes. Yeah, because where the fuck are they going to go from this? There's still what four, three episodes left. Yes. That is a lot of time for things to get even crazier, considering what they did in the past two. Yeah, yes. just suddenly aliens. Yeah, so the next show, we're going to talk about two, and then the show after that, we're going to talk about the finale. Yeah. What, what will probably be a wrap-up episode. If it's another fucking interview episode, I'm going to Japan with ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> I will find that two-love brew bastard, and I will kick him squarely in the junk. Uh, so. Well, it is uh, 11.30 and it is 
my time to shine, break it off. I mean, get on, get on. Uh, I gotta be extra, you know. So, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Danka. Love you guys. Have a good night. We love you. Thanks for coming on. We have quite a thing to catch up on. (laughs) Because we've been behind on Magical Girl Ore because we've had a lot of things to talk about in other series. A lot of darling to talk about. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Apparently, as these past four episodes have proven, we kind of slept a little on Magical Girl Ore. Things have started to get interesting. Oh my god, talk about interesting. Okay. So we've got, what, here we, we have four episodes. 8, 9, 10, and 11. Meet and greet, another and another, stalking, and final battle, which, spoiler alert, isn't the final episode. Yeah. We have meet and greet, where our magical girl-boy duo finally get their first official idol meet and greet session with the fans. And holy shit, there's a lot of them. Apparently it goes all the way to Disneyland and back. <laughs> yep. No, and no, they even have... Not Disneyland, magical place that we cannot talk about. That's censored out, even though it's very clearly the Disney castle silhouette. We also, they also have some crazy fans. And some absolutely adorable ones, like the and little girl who makes a under- pile of shit. And a very um, underhanded uh, marketing uh, uh, agent. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He had a mission. He went in there with the job to do, and he did that job. Yeah. What was it? It was like Context. each one had photos of the of the magical girls with a three percent chance of getting a ticket. Something like that. It was it was it was a sweepstake thing, which apparently Japan, Japanese people go nuts for. You put limited edition on anything, and it gets snapped up in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And. They apparently somehow the size of the event got un- got out of control, even though they had perfect control of how many tickets they actually put into circulation. But uh, someone else shows up to this meet and greet. Uh, to someone else's, for someone else's, technically. Uh, actually, a lot of someone else's when you stop and think about it. But we've got Prism. Prisma. Prisma, Prism, same difference. The other idol girls, and of course, our darling princes, Mohiro-chan and fucking Hyoi. Magnificent <laughs> bastard that he is. And, and yeah, it's just massive mo- group meet and greet. Yep. Everybody's like texting each other in the middle of this group meet and greet. Um, and mom shows up. Yeah, wanting to give something who is apparently like super freaking strong. Yeah, I mean, she well, she's been doing this for how long? True. And uh, like you see all the uh, volunteers 
uh, trying to like pull her away. No. And yeah, Saki kind of blows her off. Yeah. Not in your mother, woman. Not. I don't think it was intentional, but she did. It was kind of like, oh my, my mom's ear. Wait, wait, no, you're not my mom, because she's she's still trying to keep her cover. Yeah. Whereas mom doesn't give a fuck, as we find out later. Yeah. And yeah, so as soon as mom gets, I think, a little unreasonably upset at her teenage daughter for misspeaking, (laughs) goes off to sulk. And surprise, more demons show up. Oh, big surprise. And they It's just... almost like those demons are fucking everywhere for some reason. <laughs> and they put uh the portal opens up and they're just he's halfway in it already. Mohiro does not have the best luck. No, he does not. And he has zero self-preservation instinct. <laughs> Oh my god, he's just like He's just sitting there Someone to save me But uh, so Saki's mom comes to the rescue We finally get to see The mother-daughter Magical girl fight Yes In all of its ridiculousness And I love that Oh, I'm just a passing through magical woman no, wait. Even though they are very clearly related. Is this the one where all the fans are like yelling, No, you're too old! Thought I thought I saw something like that. Th- 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 that's, that's from a further on episode. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this one is one. like, yeah, where they're just like a little bit more confused than anything else. And I do love that the mom was the one that referenced Common Rider. I'm just a passing through blah 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 yep um, even if it was a reference decade <laughs> oh man it's just like and then they, they they do their whole smear and then at the end of the episode they're kind of like okay they keep trying to get him something is up <laughs> The characters finally start thinking. Yes, and they're like, okay, what? Who, who have you had contact with? Well, I had contact with duh, duh, duh. and uh, someone seems to be absent during this pivotal moment. Every single time. Gee, I wonder who it could be fucking Hyoi. <laughs> and yeah, our magical girls start to put two and two together that, hey, Maybe Hyoi is the bad guy. Maybe he's the demon king. And so that gets us into the next episode, Another and Another. Which starts out with a little bit of stalking, right? Yeah, just just, just some casual stalking before we get to the episode titled Stalking. Yes. But this one focuses a little more on Prisma, the other idol duo, and, surprise, the other... Magical girl duo. 
<laughs> because they make a contract with an even skeezier looking Yakuza guy. And I, I have mixed feelings about this episode. Because one, it's hilarious, more magical girls in buff guy form yes. for some reason. Because but, it's a more practical form. It, 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 uh, yeah, I, I, get the, I get the joke. But for the second time, we get the one member of the duo is in love with some guy. Spoiler alert, it's Ore. Yeah, man, she was staring hard at him. Her partner is, of course, in love with her. And it's like, you know, we, we, we kind of did this already. It's it 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 felt a it fell a little flat this time because it's like well this is just a rerun at this point. Yeah, yeah. and they they really don't have they don't add to the story very much. Yeah, they don't really do a whole lot. Like there is the gag. Is that is the gag in this episode or is that in stalking? I th- I think it's I think it comes in at the end of this one. Um, either in the end of this one or sometime in stalking where because the one doesn't have a lot of love power, her magical girl form ages prematurely. Yes. And then for some reason turns brown. Yeah. yeah. Like, like they spent too long in a tanning bed or something. Yeah. But yeah, like they don't really, I was hoping for more interaction between the groups and for them to actually like do more. But they were just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it, it was an episode that didn't push the main plot along. I mean, it's 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 a filler episode. It was just like a side story. Yeah, like this one would be one like the Prisma arc. I could see happening as a second season of this rather and you get to see the interactions between the different groups and the different idol groups in their civilian forms like that would have been more interesting than them getting just a throwaway episode basically yeah of course we do get the freaking ridiculous four magical girl combo attack yes i forgot about that one in this one (laughs) yeah because it's been it's been a hot minute since i actually watched this episode yeah, that was four weeks ago now. Yeah. It's it's been a few. But yeah, then we go into the next episode. Oh stalking. Um, before stalking. It's like, haven't you realized all the thirsty looks I've been giving you? Yeah, that that was that that was slightly okay because in the case of uh Saki and I can't remember her name. Sakuyo? Sakuyo. That, 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 that's why I can't remember because they're so freaking similar. Um, Sock and Sock. Uh, yeah, unlike the fact where that, you know, Saki was completely blindsided because this girl's been her best friend forever. The blonde member of Prisma is just apparently exceptionally dense and doesn't <laughs> notice her partner just ogling her at every turn. She's exceptionally dense and also... I'm pretty sure the implication here is that Prisma is one of those idol groups that was actually put together by the entertainment agency after these girls were already signed on. So basically each one of them individually signed to be idols and then the executives were like, hey, you and you, you're a group now. Um, 
you get groups like that like um freaking oh i can't i can't remember the name of it right now but um oh baby metal i think was put together by the entertainment agency as was van made um i think don't quote me 100 percent on that but i vaguely i, I know baby metal was like put that. together yes um Bandmate, I'm not sure about, but I know Baby Metal was. But I mean, it works. So, and um, um, I kind of like so, how in this episode, for them to be stalking, they just need to do this. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm yeah, a bush, so basically, <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, they're put together by the agency, and Orange Hair doesn't really care about her partner outside of a professional context. They're just acquaintances and co-workers to her. Whereas Silverhair is just like, this is something I want. Thank you. But yeah, their their whole idea of hiding is to just put a stick in front of their face. Or, you know, wear a beagle puss. I'm a screwdriver. Yeah, we, uh, we get our, our, our protagonists engaging in some casual stalking as they follow Mohiro and Hyoi-san throughout the entire day. And Hyoi-san, at the end, is just like, yeah, I knew you were following me the entire time. You're terrible at this. I'm pretty sure he led them past the ho- the Love Hotel on purpose because he just knew to they fuck were with following. Them. <laughs> just to fuck with them. Yeah. Just like- but yeah, then, then we get the fucking plot twist none of us saw coming. Yeah. We, we, we cut to, instead of Continuing the story in the park with Ore and with uh, Saki and uh, Sakio. Sakio, we go to the manager and we get his backstory for some reason. And he lampshades the fuck out of it too. Where he's like, oh, main plot? What's We don't need that. Yeah. And it's yeah. like just him walking. He comes home from work. Yeah. And, and, he be- and he's an otaku. He is an otaku. All the way through for through. magical girls. He comes home from a long day at work at the office. Oh, they must be fighting again. Walks into his apartment, and it's full of demons. Which he presents. The manager. Yeah. Has been the demon boss yeah. the whole time. <laughs> the entire time. And it shows that he's not a. Like when he sees another startup idol group on the side of the sidewalk, he's like, "Okay, I'll buy one of your CDs." Yeah, like and, he's and, so and sweet you, about you think, it. Okay, it's just they're 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 just going to give us a little short story about the uh, about the the manager. No, no, it's just like, where the hell did that come from? Literally. Yeah, it turns out he was quite literally their boss, as in a department head, suit and tie level boss, who volunteered to come to Earth himself to take control of the invasion efforts, specifically so he could go see Magical Girls. Yes. And then he fast forwards the invasion because the uh, the other world won't pay for his uh, expenses anymore. Yeah, so he has to get a real job. Yes. Or not a real job, but like a real Earth job. Yeah. Yeah, so he winds up working for an idol company. He becomes a manager. 
He recruits these girls. And apparently, he just picks Mohiro by chance. <laughs> but because of that, actually, we, we, we skipped an important bit. He actually saw Saki's mom as a magical girl and yes. was mortified because she was old. Yes. Yes. And he was confused as fuck. And also, he I'm pretty sure he picked Mohiro on purpose because he overheard them talking about magical girls. Like when Kokoro was trying to get um, Saki to transform the first time. And then he went and asked Sakuyo, hey, where's your brother? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Manager has been the demon boss the entire time because he wanted to see real life magical girls because he's a fucking otaku. Yes. And then we and get another twist in yeah. this episode. Yeah. By the way, yeah, Hyoe is not the bad guy. He's the prince of the fairies. Yep. We actually get Saki growing some brain cells and asking, well, what about you? Are you human? <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. Yeah, and and he's he actually comes out and is like, look at him. He sings and just is he even human? The and and like you said, it gets turned on him, and is just like, no, just call your fairy. Wait, what? Trust me. And of course, Kokoro shows up and proceeds to flip his shit. Get your face down on the ground this instant. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, so we get a freaking freaking plot twist on the most nonsensical series we've been watching this season. The one we didn't want to take seriously that we were watching just to laugh hysterically because it's so fucking batshit crazy. And, then, and they throw a legitimately surprising plot twist in. I really am glad they went that direction, though. I'm glad that they didn't make it predictable. And uh. yeah, that was uh, that was stalking. <laughs> and so we go into the final battle. Don't worry, there's Where one more episode left. Where they uh, where they actually flip another trope on its head because typically in the final battle episodes the animation budget is gets thrown out the window yes they just go absolutely nuts doing like everything they can to pull out all the stops make the prettiest animation they've ever made in their lives and then magical girl ori comes along and purposely makes the animation bad and even sub puts a subtitled notice explaining that they're making it bad on purpose. <laughs> you magnificent bastards. And yeah, we get manager dragging everybody into the demon world because he wants to make sure that magical girl Ore does not fade into the shadows. That it, she becomes a legend to live on for the ages because that's how a magical girl should be. And he stages the entire thing to make this huge production of it just to drill it into people's hearts 
because he loves magical girls so much. And he doesn't even want to take over the world. He wants to be no. beaten. So Yeah. <laughs> He's planning on taking the taking the fall. Yeah, he wants them to win. Oh my god. It's just like okay. That's good. Let, let's wrap it up there. Okay. That's a good take. Like all all the demons pop out and they just take all the set stuff off. <laughs> oh, and uh I think someone has an issue with photo uh, f- uh photography. Photo voyeurism you mean? Yes. With Sakuyo's collection of Saki photos. Thousands of photos. Yeah, as, as she squares off one on a thousand <laughs> against the demons. And she uses the pictures to trigger her power because the demons step on the pictures. Yes. And then she has the little uh the little doll. doll. Yes. So they're so they're fighting side by side. And then Saki has the other version. That is that is equal parts creepy and really sweet. this show oh and we thought this was just going to be the i don't want to call it throwaway anime but we thought this was just going to be like our our break anime yeah, there's something that we could but sit back and watch these... and be entertained yeah this, this this was supposed to be our junk food we had the meat and potatoes of darling in the franks and uh my hero we had the dessert that is shokugeki and then this was supposed to be the snack food. This was the vending machine bag of chips. This is the the And then late the vending night. machine grabs you by the ankles and shakes you for your change. <laughs> oh my god. But I mean, like you said earlier, we get bored if there's not something more to it. Yeah, we need something. Just a little bit to dig our teeth into, or we... Or just like this is dumb. I don't want to watch this. Like how to keep your mum or how how is it how how to keep a mummy? How to keep a mummy. Yeah. That one was sugary as hell. But the it had little conflicts here and there, and then the last three episodes were just like Boom. Yeah, and it works. And I hope Let they get a second season of that. Punch you in the fucking feels. Yeah. <sighs> Ah, man. But yeah, Ori has been a really fucking wild trip. And I'm really glad that we watched it. Yeah, and and I was kind of reluctant at first because I'm like, okay, it's these girls that turn into uh, masculine men, magical girls. That's a thing. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's Japan. Which is funny because this is actually Korean. <laughs> really? Yeah. If you look at the credits, like next time you're watching the show, actually look at the cre- the names in the credits. Those are all Korean names. Oh. The only reason, the only way I can tell the difference between uh, Korean and Japanese is that there's a lot of O's in Korean. There's a lot of circles. <laughs> a lot of circles. Yeah. But yeah, it just it's been a real wild ride with this show. Oh my god, and we thought last season was was rough on us. 
Especially because we've had so many intense shows going together. Like, we knew that this was going to be the season of shonen bullshit with uh, Shokugeki, My Hero, and Darling all together. And then all of a sudden you throw this super fucking intense twist in Ore, which was supposed to be, yeah, just our sit back and relax, be entertained show. And it still is, but that twist definitely made us sit up on the couch a little bit more. Is it is it Saturday yet? Oh no. Oh, the final episode's already out for order. That's right. Yeah. Final if you have Crunchyroll or Burr, go watch it now because I'm gonna probably watch it right after we finish. So the slack's gonna light up in about, you know, forty five minutes. <laughs> Ah, but man, it's 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 been a week, guys. And in two weeks when we see you uh, beautiful people again, it's gonna be another week because we're gonna have even more crazy shit and we won't have to worry about staying caught up on order because there's only gonna be one episode of it. Yeah. Which means we'll have that much more time to talk about the really ridiculous shit. And what's great is that we get CJ back. So, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be hello and fuck all you manga readers. <laughs> Are we getting CJ back? I thought he was taking all of June off. Well, I, the, our next show is on the 2nd of uh, July. As we both pull up the, uh... oh, yeah. Because um, next, next week is the 25th. Week no, after that is the 2nd. Unless we want to take that week we... off because of the, the break. The holiday. But... Yeah, the, well, the holiday. Discuss, but... hold it, let's discuss that off air. Do we want to cut this part of the episode out? <laughs> sure. I, I, I can do it in video editing. That's no problem. All right. Uh, Josh? Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, usual plug we've been doing. We are going to be at MetroCon in Tampa, Florida, July 19th to 22nd with two panels. The Anime Otaku Show presents Studio Trigger, Subversions, Inspection, and Looking Beneath the Surface in Anime Track B Panel Room 25 on Saturday, July 21st, 10 a.m. to 10.50 a.m. And then right after that, so you get back-to-back us. I know you're also happy, I can tell. We have the Anime Otaku Show 2017 and Early 2018 Anime in Review, also in Anime Track B Panel Room 25 from 11 a.m. to 11.50 a.m. What's that? Two hours of us not on a Monday? I know. We're too good to you. <laughs> uh, you can get in contact with us at show at geek-io.net and at slash geek.io show on every form of social media imaginable, including ones that don't even exist. And if you want to give us a call, you can do that on the Geek Hotline, 727-489-4335. That's 727-489-GEEK. And uh, for myself, for Carrie and Raul, for Sleepy Sleepy Boy Justin, and of course for our benevolent boat leaders who are currently far and away, uh, thank you, good night, and oyasuminasai. Uh, Bye.
Hi, my name is Water Buffalo, and I hope you've enjoyed this Kiki Media Network production. Copyright 2018, you see how that works? Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>